tender. I open up and I surrender. I am bothered anytime anyone lets me in. I wish that I could swim without this sinking feeling. Now I've fallen in too deep, no sleep. Cause the loving that you've given me is so sweet. This the most heat that I maybe ever felt. Your passion and your magic cast a spell. Second guessing gone, what the hell? Might as well take a dive. Make me feel alive. And the aching in my chest, I let it rest as I rise to a new love. Not looking for a true love. Just trying to share my soul with someone cooling you up. What's up? good everybody it is your favorite mc slash favorite rt live from the black and red cave and i'm here with a special guest a person that i've only recently just got introduced to and um she kind of caught my attention her page is fascinating we're going to get into everything in her page but without further stretching and prolonging this i'm here with author let me see what else everything you got on your instagram page author philanthropist investor writer traveler biblio bibliophile right which i thought was some bible stuff until i looked it up biblioteca right that's like spanish library i think right and oh gosh what's this guy's name Eupicurean. epicurean all right she's all of that and i'm gonna let her <laughs> kind of break a couple of that down but say hello to to the to everybody from deep thoughts for dying good to be here no doubt. So I didn't hear you on that part, but she said, hi, everybody. Thanks to be here. We're having a little technical difficulties a little bit because she's from the great state of Texas that is hot as fuck and there's hurricanes and tornadoes and I'm terrified of that entire state. Have you ever had any of those happen to you while you're down? Are you from Texas originally? Yes, I grew up in Texas. Um, but yes, I've had experience with the hurricanes and I work in insurance. So mm. definitely aware of that. So that's like a. Not to sound messed up, but that's like a good, that's good for business when the hurricanes come, right? No, it's actually actually very bad for business. Is it really? Why? Oh, because you have to actually pay out. Yes. I've always been fascinated by insurance in general because I'm like, let's say if I'm putting $10 in, you're putting $10 and 20 people are putting $10 in, but now you got to give me a hundred thousand. How does it cover? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I've always been fascinated by the mathematics of just insurance. If you could break that down for me, I'll give you $12. I don't know. I'll zoom it to you right now. Um, You know, we have underwriting. So they assess risk and they make sure that when we are going to cover anyone, that it makes sense for our business as well. Um, but insurance, its purpose is to pay out when there is a catastrophe. Yeah. Um, and then we hope that there isn't. <laughs> In Houston, yo, like I have a friend, she lives in Port Arthur. That's not that far from Houston, right? And she said that she got hit by that last hurricane. For me, I like New York, you know, because the only thing I got to really deal with is the cold every now and then. And I can put on a coat for that and snow. 
I mean, it, it barely snows up here anymore. It's like, you know, everything we get, we get fall for about 10 minutes and then it goes from summer to winter pretty quick. And I went to a pretty chill. So I've been thinking about making a move to like Denver, but I'm really scared of like natural disasters. California is not an option ever. Right. I don't, I mean, out of the time that I've lived here since I was two, I don't feel that there's a whole lot of natural disasters, but I think that the reason why people make a better lifestyle here is because the cost of living is much different than New York. So, and right. Cali and. Yeah. I mean, y'all getting flooded with a bunch of Cali people, right? Everybody's. Coming yeah. They're and, buying uh, up our real estate. And everything's going up now. Right. I watched some, one of my favorite shows in the world, oddly enough, is House Hunters. And like, I'm always looking in Houston and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty affordable. But as the seasons pass, it's like, holy shit, that's another 20,000 on that. That's another 15,000 on that. So you're never coming up to New York ever. Oh, I love New York. Yeah. I think New York has a lot of my personality there. But um, I know that y'all are pretty hardcore on your vaccinations and. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Texas is more. Is it right? Right. We're more liberal in that sense. Right. I mean, that's cool. I, I had to get the vax for work. I wasn't a big fan of it, but it's either get a paycheck or or don't. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So as I was looking through your page, I had to look up some of the flags. It was hard to describe a flag. You know what I'm saying? L- looking at the places that you put up in your highlights. And mm-hmm. um, how many countries have you gone to? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, I've only been to like eight countries. So yeah, that was like, that was a light flex. I like that was a light flex, though. I've only been to eight countries. That was a light flex. I have met people, you know, in traveling who've been to 40 plus countries. So I guess that's, that's why uh, I say it that way. So damn, 40 plus countries. I don't think I can yeah. name. T- and I mean like 25. solo traveling. So yeah. So uh, that you do that, like I'm kind of scared to do that. And I'm not a small person and I'm terrified to do that. Like what's the advantages of the solo? The so- I guess, yeah, what's the advantages of that? Um, there's a couple of them. First of all, you don't have to feel obligated to do what other people on your trip want to do. True. Um, two, uh, you meet incredible people because you're willing and more open to talk to people, socialize because you are there alone. Um, whenever I do solo traveling, I always stay in hostels for that reason, okay. because I do want to be integrated. And, um, they also usually help with understanding their lands and what tourism attractions you can do. So, um, and then I would also say, I always learn pretty incredible life lessons by going alone. Cause I can do a lot of introspective work and mm. not have to be there to entertain others or, um, you know, be brought into their world in that sense. Right. And you do get to do what you do. Every country I've traveled to our country, I travel with a group of guys. So it's like, yo, we got to be to the spot at eight in the morning. I'm like, bro, we ain't get into like six in the morning, you know, and I'm, I'm an old dude. I ain't trying to do too much. And um, from my travel experiences, I've been to probably about, I'm not as cool as you, probably like five countries or so. And um, I don't, I don't count like Puerto Rico and I haven't really, embrace like the culture of these areas except Colombia. I did come back from Colombia. I did a little a little more sightseeing there. But for me, honestly, I'm a punk. If I'm like I was in Brazil, scared to death. That whole Rio is terrifying. You know what I mean? And like we was in a group and I'm drunk because I'm trying to keep chill. You know what I'm saying? If you ask me anything about Rio other than like the danger, I mean I'm I'm the worst kind of trip advisor. You know so that's what's up. How do you do like a hostel is like you get a bed with a locker, right? And you live in a room with a bunch of other people. 
Yes, you live, you sleep in a twin bed, um, bunk beds. So everybody's really? fighting for that bottom bunk because you're too old to be climbing up and down. Um, <laughs> and you can lock up your stuff, but the culture is that no one wants to get robbed. So therefore no one robs you. So it's kind of like an unspoken rule that wow. your stuff is pretty safe. Yeah. Um, it is like a family sense because people are alone. So they, I think human beings have a natural tendency to want to be part of a group or right. have that inclusivity. So I think that it, it works out perfectly. And I've met lifelong friends because of solo traveling. So I think it's very much worth it. That's so dope. So what was the first country you went to solo and how nervous was you, if at all? I went to Israel. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I, booked it, I booked it two weeks prior to departure and I was there for about two weeks. And so I got um, held up in NYC because they did not understand why I would go if I didn't speak Hebrew. I, right. I was just in a, like a confined room being questioned past the time of departure so i really thought that i was going to miss that flight but um we were actually five hours late to depart so that was a whole nother game bill so you just opened up so many different avenues for me to try to drive down right so mm-hmm. first of all why israel you saw my reaction for me like like i said i'm i'm a like i'm kind of joking when i say i'm a punk but there are certain parts that i just really don't want to go to in israel it always seems to be in the middle of just a lot of things. You know, my mm-hmm. friends go all the time and they say that's one of the most secure places, you know, in the world. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that. So why? And the fact that they held you was like, yo, well, what are you doing here? Trying to go there by yourself. You know what I'm saying? So why Israel? Um, I grew up very biblical, um, Christian, religious. Um, and when I went to college, I had met so many people who were of different backgrounds. Right. And we were able to have very thought provoking conversations around religion and politics. And I, I really was very interested in that of how how is it that someone could be born somewhere else and they won't have access to heaven because of their knowledge or what they were told to believe in. Mm. And I started to understand what a victim of dogma is. You know, you are just what your parents are and what they were and. I just wanted to solidify my faith and find understanding on my own without the influence of family, my, my um, community at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just my own personal beliefs. I am a person who likes to live with a very open mind. And that was my way of also following my faith that it says, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And that was me putting my um, faith in action. That's that's so dope. Again, you this is going to be hard because you're giving me I'm a very inquisitive person. Right. So when you sure. give me all of these things, I have a thousand questions. So I did an episode actually two episodes ago. And for me, like I grew up not like an overly religious household. My grandmother said my father's my paternal side was my maternal side was a little religious. So I was exposed. But like for me now, like I believe, but I, I'm a little conflicted. Right. So I did an episode about this two episodes ago. And what you just said was you went there to kind of learn on your own and see what you wanted to, you know, kind of like a pilgrimage. Right. And did you find what you were looking for? Because Absolutely, that's I found it. you found, I found it. what I was looking for. Yes, I did. In two weeks. That, that was meant to be. That was meant to be. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. So wait, so do people, part of my ignorance, right? I haven't been to Europe and, you know, 
I guess Israel's in Asia, right? Middle East. It's the Asian continent, though, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what's the nightlife like there? I gotta ask the ignorant questions first because I'm curious. Like, is it party scene out there? Is it really strict? Like, how is the how was the vibe out there? If you're going to go to do it for enjoyment, um, in the sense of like the secular world or what you would do here in the U.S., you would yeah. probably want to stay in Tel Aviv. Okay. Because they do have a nightlife. Um, they have one voted one of the best beaches in the world. They have a lot of cultural there, but mm-hmm. there is more of um, freedom, you know, where right. you can, you know, do, do more things. But if you're going to somewhere like Jerusalem or Bethlehem, it's more religiously strict. So you're not going to have the same experience. And it's like a that's like a literal melting pot of a bunch of different religions, too. Right. Like Christianity, Islam buddhism judaism like that's amazing how that um that mix kind of works like that and, and i'm sure you go out there and you i'm sure if i went out there for like two weeks i didn't party or nothing like that like i actually went out there spoke to local spoke to different people there i would come back with a better answer you know a better understanding because right now honestly I'm, I'm a little lost in general i'm inquisitive i'm a little lost so you just gave me my first i also want to talk to you because i need places to go so you just gave me um one one idea of somewhere i want to go so was that one of your favorite places that you went to? That is my favorite place in the world so far. So you hit it out the park first trip. So I feel like at that point, like, now I got to go to the opposite. Which place did you go to that was the most disappointing? Mine was Brazil, because <laughs> I was scared. Other, other than that, mine was Brazil. And I lost my I would phone. say Nairobi, Kenya. Really? That's on my list of places to go. Like, what? what was wrong there? Government corruption. I mean, that's like the same in Mexico and other countries, though, right? But how it affects you as a person, as a tourist, is um, different, I think. Okay. I think that there is a lot going on in Israel, but you can go about your day and not be worried. You can't even walk in the streets of Nairobi without possibly getting mugged, robbed. Are you serious? Or, I'm, oh. I'm very serious. It's extremely dangerous. Um, and, you know, it just so happened that me and the friend that I was with were, were robbed. So, wow. um, and by the police. So yeah, I've heard it, of that. I've heard of yeah. that. You got to kind yeah, of, so if you can't, if you can't have any protection there and the police are the ones who are doing a lot of the sure. crime, it, sure. it's probably one of the most dangerous place for a tour tourist to be. See, I would have, that would have been one of the, now I understand that there are, you know, security lapses and stuff. My friends went to uh, Ghana a couple years ago. And he, my man, went there prepared with some money to pay off the cops, you know, when they get to like certain checkpoints or whatever the case is. But I would think that like Nairobi would be a little more um, kind of like chill on that Nairobi, Accra, like um, uh, Lagos, that was Nigerian's capital. I would think that'd be a little more, not developed, but a little more safe, if that's if that's the right word. It is actually more developed than... Um... Tanzania, um, Zanzibar, it's much more developed as a city-like atmosphere. But again, they have a tremendous amount of government corruption and it's, it's, it's painfully stressful to travel in and to do the things that you want to do. I mean, you really need to go straight from one building to your taxi as quick as possible. I actually had a taxi driver escort me if I needed to go into the store or just different places. Yeah, there is no, I would have never guessed that there. Yeah. And you are, um, they check you before you go into their stores. Um, they want to make mean, sure. Like, pat you down? 
they go into your person stuff. Um, they want to make sure that, you know, what you have is what you leave, what you have is what you leave with, which I thought was interesting that they do it while you're entering as opposed to while you're exiting. Well, actually they do both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, I'm sure. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because they probably get robbed so many times. Um, that's that's fascinating. So if you don't mind, like, how did the robbery with the police go? You want me to go look for them? Like, that's that's fucked up. Um, well, they have rifles on them. So, you you know, immediately that they, you know, they're, they're not really go- going to do a back and forth with you. They just want complete submission. Crazy. Um, it happened because, you know, we didn't have our mask on. But um, he oh, said this was last year or something. This was in December, this, this December. Wow. And he, he said that, you know, you will be cited and you'll pay the consequences today, right now. And uh, we, you know, it's a paternalistic country. So he didn't even look me in my eyes. He was looking at um, the gentleman that I was with. And sure. he um, asked him to open his wallet and he took what was in it. That's crazy. And, you know, I'm, I'm, that's probably like if he didn't have any cash, he probably take it to like an ATM. I've heard of that happening like in Brazil, like I said, I lost my phone and my hotel was like 40 minutes away. So when I was in Uber going back home, I was actually scared. I'm like, this guy like makes a detour. My boys were calling Ubers for me. I have no way of contacting anybody. So if I make a detour or like, God forbid, I like I'm drinking and I pass out, you know, all of that's an option out there or a possibility out there. Mm -hmm. So have you been to Brazil? No. Do you want to go? I know that they're, um, I know that COVID hasn't is really um, wildfire out there. So mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to give it a break. Yeah. You know, we, I went down there last year, uh, 2022. And the day we landed, um, Brazil reported their first like COVID case. And I was like a little nervous, you know, you know, I work healthcare. So initially COVID didn't really scare me. I'm like, I, right, this is just another, you know, whatever. I came into this knowing I could get sick. You know, a fireman can't be scared of fire. So I was a little ignorant to it. But I, as I learn more about it, I'm like, yo, we kind of lucked out, you know, just not mm-hmm. getting caught and all of that other stuff. So Nigeria sucked. Not Nigeria, excuse me. Kenya sucked. Israel <laughs> was fire, right? What was in the middle? What would you suggest? But like, eh, if you got the time. I think South Korea is cool. You went um, there too? Damn, bro. <laughs> well, I also have South Korean. Okay. Um, I like that place, um, but I think it very much had pros and cons, like sure. even now. Um, let me think. Oh, what I, ironically, I think Zanzibar is the most beautiful place I've been to. So that's Africa. Africa right. is rich in their land, um, their animals, their, it's very beautiful. Right. But Zanzibar is, is it was much more poor compared to um Nairobi but it was much more safer isn't that ironic and uh Zanzibar is where the um that's where the um when you go on a jeep the safari and everything is right that's where you go for those Zanzibar is an island so it's right off of it's it's in the country of Tanzania but then you fly once you get into Tanzania you go straight to um like a 50 dollar flight you go into um Zanzibar and it's an island that's cool Wait, what, what kind of plane? One of them little planes with the propellers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, bro. You are adventurous. That's really, you wasn't like nervous getting on those? They're like no. rocky as shit too, right? It was pretty steady. I was, I felt fine. How long is that flight? 30 minutes. It wasn't okay. bad at all. Wow. How many people were in the plane? 
I would say maybe like 15 or 20 at okay. most. So it's not like one of those super small planes that's like. No, like it's the, not like a helicopter. Like the wind flick it over. Okay. That's that's not bad. Mm-hmm. And the food was probably dope too. I like African food. I grew up, my best friends are Ghanaian and Nigerian. So I grew up on like fufu and like palm soup and peanut butter soup and all of this stuff. And never had Kenyan food. Never had, oh, that Zanzibarian food. Would that would it be, what would it be called? Like how was the food there? The food was good. It's not my favorite food in the world. Um, they do have a lot of curry. Um, right. I think they have a lot of things that we have. It's just the, the way that they eat it. So, um, I mean, they're like their seasoning and so forth. Sure. Um, but my favorite food again, which is why I loved Israel is Middle Eastern food. I think they have the best diet in my opinion. So again, this, that's ignorance. All I know is the halal truck. You know, that's all I know from, mm-hmm. you know, really Israeli feeling is odd because like I did, um, crabbing with God for like three years. So I, you know, broke bread with a bunch of like, which is the martial arts they teach over there. So I broke bread with a bunch of, you know, the sensei's because they were, you know, obviously Israeli and the food was cool. But again, I'm, you know, I only know America. I appreciate people that travel because we're so myopic. Like everything here is like America, America, America. And as comedian, most people, right. And as comedian said, um, have an American person name five leaders of other countries. I'm stuck at Trudeau and the dude from Britain, you know, and I think the fact that you're going out there is really dope, you know, and I'm surprised. I don't know if you do, but I didn't see it that you don't do like travel blocks because you have the, the charisma and you have to look. You should do that. Like open up the world because I need I need to learn. I'm sitting here. Didn't know how I would get robbed in Kenya. I thought I'd be chilling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you said something about South Korea. Like what was it about South Korea that was average? Throwing away your trash. I know it sounds simple, but. Okay. They're, they're very particular about um, recycling and where, when you can throw away trash. And there's nothing worse to me than having trash and wanting to throw it away, but you can't. Um, <laughs> That's a you fact. Have to, like put it in your pocket, you know, or you just put it somewhere. It's, it's, it's very, um, and then even if you like live in a home environment there, when you separate after you eat, you have to separate your food. And I find that very disgusting and put it in different like compartments of. Really? Like, yeah how the government wants it to be recycled um so my mom at the end of every meal she would grab what's left over which you hope you would eat off all your plate but she she'd put it in different places and I thought that was kind of you know that's a little I'm a germaphobe so it's just gross to me <laughs> that's a that's an added level of pressure to finish your plate though man because moms don't want to separate that like I've always had an issue finishing my plate forget about chicken wings like I always leave like pieces on the chicken bone and I used to always get in trouble for that so mm-hmm. that in itself is it, it's crazy how things are just kind of different you know what I'm saying you said you're half Korean is your mom Korean South Korean? yes okay that's what, and she was raised over there I assume yes that's so cool. That's what's up, you know. Is your mom here or she's over there? She's here. That's what's up. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, like, geeking out because I am genuinely, like, nerding out over this kind of stuff. So that's what's up. So did any of that kind of motivate you to write your book, which is called Live, right? What um, is the traveling, motivation behind that? Traveling helps, but I felt like, I think the most simplified reason was I felt like I had something to say. I've had enough or some experiences in life to, to say something to people. And I think that we all have very limited information and the more information that's shared, the higher quality of life we all can have. That's true. So why did you decide to take the form of a writer? Because now there's so much media, 
like visual media that people can create or other ways to create what about writing are you a writer or was it like this is the best way I think I can reach people I wrote from a young girl um to about um college pretty excessively right. when I was younger I would write you know what whether they were letters to family mem- members whether they were poems or um, short stories at a church or a small family event mm-hmm. or um, you know, uh, and I would just, or I would just write it. I would, I would, I had a quote that says you write your best when you're depressed. So it was also a way that Fact. I Fact. deal dealt with emotions, yeah. um, which is very healthy for me. And then when I was in college, I actually purchased a blog site from a developer where I could, um, write. And again, like I was talking about earlier, I was very interested in politics, religion, and very controversial subjects. And I wrote sure. a lot about that. And, I got a lot of um, feedback and either people loved it, um, they found it endearing or they wanted off the internet. It it created a very strong emotion. Um, And it was really cool because the blog site allowed me to see like which countries viewed it and it it hit around the world. It it was a lot of in Europe and Africa is what I saw the most. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, But as I, I stated this in the prologue of my book. The reason why I stopped writing is because I feel that with any talent or gift, there's a responsibility that comes with it. Okay. And what I was writing, um, while I don't think that it was negative to this day, um, it did make me lose a friend. Um, And again, you know, there was negative feedback from strangers that they felt that it, however they felt, I don't remember all the comments, but sure. I think it was the friend that obviously hurt the most. And I thought, you know, it was kind of like that fight or flight situation where you're just, I don't, I don't want to fight over this. And I just will step back. And I was so, I think I was so concerned that I could hurt people with writing that I stopped writing publicly for 10 years. For 10 years. Wow. You know, I write myself, like I don't write political things, but like, even with this, with this show, and my views, I'm very, um, I try to be as open as I can. The problem is, especially now, if I say I like the color red, people that like the color blue will think I hate blue, you know, and now that becomes divisive. Like I, there is no individuality. Right. It's like you either are all in or you're not in at all. There's no like, eh, I kind of like blue, but I like red, you know, and the way that I approach anything that I write musically, even with my music in general, like, like you said, when you, you write your best when you're depressed, which is a bar. I'm going to ask you to say it. I'm going to put that on my next album, right? <laughs> Me, I realize when I'm going through a breakup or when my mom passed or, you know, whatever I'm dealing with at the time, the pen is like on fire. When I'm happy, I don't write shit. Like right now, I'm pretty content. I don't write anything. And the stuff that I write about, like the last project I did, you know, I'm a, you know, I like to joke around. So I made up a character called Durag Daddy, right? And it was like an R&B album and it's called Durag Daddy Delivers Dick. And like, so I'm doing like little emotional things from a man's point of view because I don't mind being you know open about it you know like this girl broke my heart or this time you know my penis didn't work when we was doing whatever we was doing like I try to be open to that and sometimes I get hit back with people like yo you sounding like a like like a p-word you know what I'm saying or Mm -hmm. uh one of the episodes that I did I interviewed um a gay guy from my job you know because like I told you earlier anything that I don't know I don't care. Do you live your life? Just understand I'm not on that side of the field, but I want to learn about, you know, your lifestyle. And in one clip we were talking about, um, he said, if you had, if you were blindfolded and a 
a guy was giving you a head, you would get hard, right? And I said, sure. But if my penis rubs up against the desk a certain way, that's going to get hard. I don't mean I want to fuck the desk. And I put that up. And I got so many DMs from dudes. And honestly, mostly like middle-aged white men was coming after me. Like, what the fuck are you trying to talk about? And I was like, why is it? Even the dudes from my neighbor, like I'm from the Bronx, you know what I'm saying? So there's certain, there's, especially my age group, there's a certain face that you have to put on. Being homosexual, which I'm not, but being homosexual, even putting off that energy gives off a certain vibe. And guys approach me about it. The thing is, I don't really give a fuck. You know, I can say I've never lost a friend, but I have. I've lost a girlfriend. You know, a girl was like, yo, I don't like the way you talk about certain things. I've lost her. But it didn't really. If anything, it motivated me a little more because it's like I don't like living in a world where I can't express my opinion or this mm-hmm. is how I feel. I'm not trying to shit on you. If I offend you, it's inadvertent. Come and talk to me. Let me know. Yeah. You know, so with your friend, I'm sorry. I hope you may have been able to patch that up maybe or something but that's tough that it kind of made you stop writing like wow sorry to hear that that was like your superpower it seemed like or one of your superpowers it's um you know it's kind of what you just said you have to have a backbone you know mm-hmm. and I was only 20 years old and the way that I was raised is like you know I was kind of like a meek person at that point and sure. so if I hurt someone it was very traumatic to me right. and I internalized that instead of, you know, um, realizing that, you know, it wasn't intentional and to move on from that. And it's kind of, you know, not, not to, um, take myself on a guilt trip. Yeah. So uh, did you stop writing when you started writing again, did you go back to writing things like that or, um, you know, whatever you could be like, again, anything today could be divisive, you know, like me speaking to you with a beer in my hand, somebody might be like, Oh, you know, that's not right. You know, did, were you afraid to write when you started picking up the pen again? Like, did you censor yourself? Did you limit certain things that you want? No, I didn't censor myself at all. I love it. I love it. Okay, good. So what made you pick the pen up again? Like, was it just like a, it just clicked again? So I'm old. You you can tell I'm old. I'm talking about picking up the pen. Like, (laughs) um, I'm very spiritual person. So I believe in like divine timing and all of that. Um, I had a very tough year in 2021. Okay. It was probably the most challenging year of my adult life. And I hadn't seen my family up North for a long time for almost 10 years. <laughs> 10 years just happened to be that number. But um, wow. when I went back up there, I had written my grandparents 50th anniversary speech when I was 15 years old. And my grandpa was so touched after I wrote it that he asked me for the original copy. He asked that I signed it. Yeah. And I thought that I couldn't honestly think that it was just flattery because of who he is. He's a very serious type of person. Um, So I thought, well, he thinks I'm a great writer. Sure. Um, And when I went back, you know, I had... In 2021, I I ended my engagement in February. So when I had went back in June and I got, he gave me that speech. So he had kept it from- Your grandfather gave it to you from 10 years? Yeah. He gave me a copy of the original. He didn't, he's the one. Hell yeah, he got the original, of course. (laughs) Um, So he gave me the copy and he, it was really sweet of him. And so I, it was, when I talk about divine timing, it was exactly what I needed. I read it on a layover and I started to weep because it made me 
believe in love again. Sure. And the your sanctity. own writing from when you was fifteen. From when I was fifteen. That's my crazy. Fifteen-year-old writing encouraged my thirty-one-year-old self, and I thought, okay, if wow. I can inspire and encourage myself in this way, I can surely do it for others. Wow. You know, that's that's literally like literally like your origin story. That's like your superhero getting bit by the spider story. You know, that's first of all, shout out to your grandpa, because that's really cool. My grandfather, who just passed two weeks ago, my grandfather was always pushing me. You know, like when I started writing, like you said, my first I always rapped, always freestyle. That was always my my love. But writing emotional stuff, it came after a breakup and like I was what, 19 or something like that. And I just started writing and I kept writing. You know, my grandparents were very religious. Seven Day Events was very religious. And I would curse in some of mine. And my grandmother was like, no. I mean, nothing like blatant, but, you know, frustration. Like, sometimes I want to use the word to express that frustration. And my grandfather, and I was a little worried about that. And my grandfather gave me the green light. And he said, that's how you feel, write it. And that is part of why I do what I want now. You know, with, I mean, I don't wild out. Like, I'm not trying to insult nobody, but the writing is such a therapeutic, you know, it's a very therapeutic thing and i'm also sorry about your breakup and your you know the split of your um engagement i'm assuming that's the type of gauge which you were talking about mm-hmm. did that motivate you even more to write the uh, live which came out the 16th of december if i'm not mistaken right well you i that? think that is what gave me the backbone to be fearless okay. because I, I think when you go through something that can change the trajectory of your um your path your life Mm-hmm. It makes you st- super strong. And I realized that, um, you know, it like the thing that made me not write or kind of back down is now the, now I was equipped to handle confrontation yeah. and controversial issues. So, right. so um, this is it's a natural progression, but you were 10 years out the game. Did you feel any rust? When you started riding, or was it like no. right back on the bike? No, I didn't feel any rest. Fire. That's what's up, Bill. So what do you like? Do you write like poetry too? Or is it just everything? Because I'm more of like a lyric writer, poetry writer. Like I've written stories before, but I don't have the attention span, to be fair. Um, so what is do you get into all that or do you like focus on like positivity and progression and self-help and things like that? Um, usually poetry comes to me when I'm writing from a place of like, um, maybe, um, like a depressive state that sure. that's where, cause I like the, the syllables and the rhyme and the, the mm-hmm. beat to it. Um, but when I'm writing about something that I just really want to share and get off my chest, um, live has metaphors in it. Live is very okay. metaphorical. Right. So I think that's probably the closest part to a poetry type uh but it's not it's not poetry no it's um it's it's maybe in you would put it in the inspirational and motivational and um spiritual genre but definitely right. not poetry so but in, in a sense that could still be poetry like i never understood poems that don't rhyme i never like was that prose i think it's called i never really understood that but mm-hmm. that doesn't make it any less of a poem and everything you just described i saw in your book i guess the tagline or the description was you know written for those who seek verbatim at least off the amazon written for those who seek guidance and comfort through life's changes and challenges and from what i'm hearing you're kind of like you said taking the lessons that you learn and trying to apply that to a help system for other 
young girls, you know, men and show, I'm sure when I do that, and I will read it. <clears throat> wow. Excuse me. That's for you guys out there that <clears throat> clear the door moment. I, I will read it. You know, um, I'm very slow. Like I said, my attention span could be, I'll read like the first I think it's a hundred pages, right? I'll read the first 60 in about 10 minutes. Then I won't touch it for like another two months. That's just, even with video games, I'll start a game and come back and forget all the buttons and just walk away. You know what I'm saying? But, um, I'm sure just talking to you, I can gain something from that, which is what I try to do when I write. I try to tell young men, even in my podcast, which is another reason why I started this, you can be open, talk. What's somebody going to fuck you up because you say you sad over your ex? Like, so what? You know? And there's such a pressure on us to kind of hide our emotions, especially this age. Like, I'm looking at, you know, the younger people now, not to sound like the old man on the porch, but the guiding system are influencers that are influencing what? you know, with what skill set and what education and people like you, I applaud, you know, I want to give you your roses for that. And I want to read it out loud with a British accent in the middle of the Bronx one day. I think the cool thing about the book is I have a short attention span myself sure. and I, I'm like that when I play video games, I could be very obsessive and then I can just completely abandon it. Stop. Um, so that's why the book is not written in any chronological order. Okay. It's written to the readers what they want to experience. Um, so even though the, the chapters are metaphorical, it has like in parentheses, like what that chapter is about. So if yeah. you want to focus on self-discipline or you just want encouragement, right. you can just read that particular chapter. That's what's up. Do you ever do any like direct outreach work with younger? Because my cousin actually just moved to. I said Hawaii almost. My cousin just moved to Houston and she's trying to do this and reach out to, you know, young girls and things like that. Have you ever done direct contact or direct teaching or education or mentoring with any young girls in the Houston, Texas area? No, but I have, I'm very involved in community work. So I'm sure. a part of NAACP. Um, I volunteered at Battered Women's Shelter, Habitat for Humanity. Um, that must have been very, um, depressing in itself the battered women the um what do you call it what's it called it's a battered women's shelter but yeah. they have um part of it that is just very cps oriented and for me it did make me pretty ill to see kids treated the way that they were um mm -hmm. so i couldn't continue that um i wouldn't i wouldn't do it again that one yeah i worked psych with teenagers for four out of the five years i was at the psych hospital and some of the stories that I heard were like, to this day, that was probably about eight years ago. To this day, I want to know where some of them are. You know, and what, one thing I learned with a lot of my kids is the ones who had the worst stories were like the sweetest kids, you know, and it bothers me, you know, that somebody can actually do that kind of shit. But I, it's funny, one of them actually found me on Instagram. One kid that I actually don't even remember. And um, she found me on Instagram and she wrote me and she's like, yo, She's just like opened up a business like she's doing great now. Right. She's probably about like 17 or about 19 at this point. And she was like, one day you pulled me to the side and you told me you're wasting your talent. I don't remember saying this, but she said, I always remembered that. So like you never know who you're touching, even people in the worst situations. And I'm sure and I'm going to push your book pretty heavy. I'm going to give it to my little cousins. Well, they're grown, but like my, my little cousins as well, because I want them, you know, to to. They need to be more leaders, you know what I'm saying? And um, I'm kind of jumping out of this on blind faith because you might have been talking some wild shit in there. I didn't read the book, you know what I'm saying? But I'm taking it at, as, as face value, just off the energy you're giving me, you know? Cool. Yeah, no doubt. So I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to let you go because, I don't know, I forgot what I was going to say right there. I'm going to edit that part out. I, like, I completely lost my train of thought, though. But um, 
Hold up. Actually, I'm going to go back because you said you play video games. What do you play? Because I have to ask. I'm not a gamer head like I used to be, but I, I need these answers. I played the same game since I was 12. It's called The Sims. <laughs> oh, were? <laughs> you know what's funny with that? I always played The Sims, but I did the cheat code and just got all of the stuff and just built towns and like things like that. How do you still play The Sims? Like, what is new? Oh, yeah, because they had the original Sims. They had Sims mm-hmm. 2, Sims 3, and now they're mm-hmm. at Sims 4. So they keep making it more intricate and right. more lifelike. Um, and so I have them all. Well, obviously, I don't play the old ones anymore. Not sure. obviously, but I don't play the old ones anymore, but right. I play the new ones. And, um, oh, and PC? I think it's, yeah, I'm PC. Okay. That's dope. Yo. I, I used to do that when I was in school. I used, I remember I built a town. I was so excited. I built a library. <laughs> I built the mall. I never played. Like, I've always just, I like creating things. Like, I ne- <laughs> you know, my friends would do shit like build a room and then take the doors out. Like, that's horrible. You know, <laughs> that's, that's terrible to do to people. But I would try to, like, make everything make sense. I used, I used to want to be an architect when I was young. So just that creativity kind of just gave me, like, a little a little boost but yeah we gotta we gotta open you up a little bit just sims we gotta get you you ever did well, the, sims and 4, the sims 4 if you have architectural abilities you can sure. actually build a house because it does square foot so oh, you yeah? could yeah you could possibly show that to an architect and say this is how i want my home built and they will have a very what? good idea yeah it's very cool that's pretty dope but like when i put that in real life it might not make sense like the bathroom's on the fifth floor and then the, you know what I'm saying like it may not make as much sense. Like I remember I looked at one of my I actually have it in a drawer. I do I drew a school and I was in second grade. I was about how old second grade, like seven, eight years old, whatever, six years old. And I had like the tenth grade next to the third grade next to like, you know, none of it made sense. But you know, the idea was there. So that's what's up. So where can we find your book? And yeah, where can I find your book? Well, on my page, so it, it I do have a link um, in the website area okay. on my IG page, and or you can, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. It's called Live L I V E, and then if you type in my full name Jennifer McWilliams, it pops right up. That's what's up. Well, Miss McWilliams, hopefully next country you go to, you take me with you, but not fucking Nairobi. I don't want to go there. You ruined that for me. <laughs> well, um, have you been to Europe? Yet? I haven't been to Europe. Have you been to Europe? Well, I'm saving I- Europe. Yes. Okay. Any place in particular you want to go? Yes. Um, Greece, Italy, and France. I got beef with France, but Greece, I wanted to the whole country. I, I uh, Greece, I wanted to go to for my birthday coming up, but I was a little hesitant to try to have such a big party. You know, I have a big group going out there with all the COVID stuff. So I did think about going to Berlin, though. Berlin seems pretty fun. It seems to be a lot of, um, definitely a lot of history there. That's for sure. Yes. France, uh, I don't know. France be talking shit about us. So I don't know. I got beef with France. But France when we go there, the huh? art world. France has the art world similar to New York. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe one day. You know what? I, I heard France has, I'm claustrophobic. That's why I asked you that question about the plane. I heard the elevators of France are like the size of a dresser. So I don't know. France is like kind of low on the list of places to go, unless it's a staircase. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you go, you give me a, Give me a full review and I'm going to promote your book pretty heavy. And, um, you know, I enjoyed you. Hopefully you can come back on. We can talk about a little bit more stuff, you know, um, or when you come to New York, maybe we can link up and then do like a collab writing or, you know, we can do one of those like, well, I can tell you like one of the spoken words joints, something like that, you know, meet the family. It'd be cool. 
my writing family, not like my mom and stuff like that, like the writing okay. family. That's not like I was proposing to you, like the, the writing family and stuff, you know what I mean? So Jennifer McWilliams from Houston, Texas, hot-ass Houston. Houston Texans fan? Yeah. Oh, that didn't sound convincing at I all. Know. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, my name is Ian. I'm going to put her link and everything in the description. Link in bio to me is like the most overlooked three words in the history of the internet. I've had somebody say, where can I find your podcast? I said, the link is in the bio. Oh, can you send me the link? I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It's there, but it's fine. It's your man, Iron. Thank you so much. And we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Go and get live. I'm going to come to your house and throw it at you. <laughs>